Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Adam, you hear me? Halliday, yes. How are you doing, man? Hey, fantastic. How are you doing? Good, good. <laughs> How have you been? I've been pretty good, actually. It's been um, it's been a pretty good start to the year. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Good to hear, man. Yeah, how about you? Good, good. Just, uh, you know, living that Colorado dream, and that sounds like you're living the New Mexico dream, so... Yeah, that's excellent. If we can both uh, avoid the coronavirus, we'll be in good shape, huh? Uh, yeah, so far so good. We're yeah, like right. Mexico safe at this point, right? Yeah, or this little safe island so far. So something about the water here, I guess. Uh, perfect. Well, take it while you can, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, so what have you been up to? It looks like you did some running this weekend. Yeah, you know, yeah, actually. So it's been good. And so like last year, actually, all of, what was it, 20... 18 i was dealing with plantar fasciitis like the whole year for like basically 15 months and so last year uh, january 2019 i had the i had i finally threw in the towel and had surgery for plantar fasciitis which was i was trying to avoid entirely um but had to be done and and but it's been great you know the the, i recovered in like six weeks and uh was able to start running last year and actually got a pretty good mileage year in last year but this year thankfully i've you know been up the because it's healed so well i've been able to have a good early season run and running you know the past couple of months so far has been pretty good and yeah so it's been i'm glad i did the surgery we'll see how it holds up but um, so far so good <laughs> do you know how you got the the pf was it just from overrunning or or what happened I know exactly how I got it, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I didn't, you know, prior to plantar fasciitis, I didn't, or prior to me having it, I had no idea how, how, or what it was. Oh, uh, it sucks. It, it does suck. And I, 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 friends talk about it, but I didn't really understand it. And it was, uh, I, I, was, I, I normally play tennis with my dad, like once a week after work. And one night after work, I, I forgot my tennis shoes, but I had my like, casual shoes that I wear to work and our tennis matches aren't like that extreme so I thought well I'll just you know play tennis in these casual shoes tonight then no big deal and the next morning I woke up after that tennis match and my heel felt like super bruised and I thought well you know I was just wearing some casual shoes on the hard surface all day that were you know all match so that's probably what I just bruised my heel and that was the that was the start of it turned out a couple months later a friend of mine's like I bet that's plantar fasciitis I'm like no way and sure enough it was <laughs> just from playing tennis that one time you think that's crazy from that one time yeah that's uh, I mean that was like that was exactly you know the incident it seemed very acute that's when it happened and I you know maybe maybe it was on its way and it was going to happen anyway I don't really know but um, yeah it was right after that it, I, from then on for 15 months I, I had plantar fasciitis oh, issue brutal oh, I know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing you tried everything before surgery, like, you know, 
there's there's tons of stuff you can do like the the boot and um you know there's the strasburg sock and people will, like freeze water bottles and try and roll their foot out and everything i'm i'm guessing you probably tried all that beforehand yeah that's a, you got that right i did i started reading about it once um once it was my friend bill who had been through it a couple times and he's like yeah i'm pretty sure that that's what you've got so i started reading about it i'm like yeah that's what i got so i started with you know all the stretching and doing the foam rolling my calves and the yeah, icing the night splint the strasburg sock um i then i did acupuncture and dry needling with electro um like electronic stimulation and i i did that pretty religiously for about a, the better part of a year and wow. it just it would you know it would go up and down but it never went away and then i just got i was like this I gotta go. I gotta do the next thing, and that was the surgery. <laughs> it's miserable, man. It's like one of the worst running injuries because you just can't do anything. You just can't run, and you can't get rid of it. Yeah, precisely. It's exactly. It's you know, and that, that's it. You know, one day I'd feel like, oh, it's gone now. That's great, and I'd go for a, a modest run, and, and the next day it was just killing me again. It's like, okay. I really empathize with people who've been through that or going through it because it's, yeah, I didn't, it's like, how bad could it be? It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so what did the surgery involve? Mm. Yeah, that was, um, it took me a while to get decided to actually, or decide to actually go through with it because the, the podiatrist ends up, um, they, they put an incision on the left, on the inside and the outside of your um, heel basically right you know where the plantar fascia hits the heel bone and then she uses a blade um, arthroscopically to cut cut the fascia all the way through the band but only halfway across the foot um, like of the width of the foot if that makes sense okay. so then that would free up you know kind of loosen and re release that tension there that's always causing the plantar fascia to hurt and so it's pretty dramatic like if you don't heal up from it it just you know cuts the fascia and, and you're done so it was sort of a leap of faith thinking i hope this works and doesn't cause me trouble down the road and, <laughs> and it was you know like four four weeks later after the surgery this the the, the sutures they healed up we got um felt pretty good i went for my first pain-free run in like 15 months and it was just like a little tear came to my eye i'm like this is amazing <laughs> 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 Well, I'm glad healed up, man. That's yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was definitely something else. But it, um, and that was, that, I think it's about the worst running injury I've ever had. And it's, I, I haven't had a lot of injuries, and so it was, it was hard to come to terms with. You know, oh, I'm injured now, and this is this is sure. difficult to deal with. So, <laughs> but so let me ask you this: What kind of shoes are you? Did that change your footwear, or are you more cautious about what you wear for shoes now, or? just back to the same running shoes or yeah it's like during the time that i had the the plantar fasciitis and the so i tried like the custom orthotics and and things with more arch support and i was i was pretty religious about putting those in even my casual shoes and my running shoes it didn't i didn't so i was still using the same shoes i wanted to use but i was using the custom orthotics all the time um and it, but that started to bug my knees because it was more support where I wasn't used to, you know, I, I think I think I pronate a little bit and it was kind of throwing off my the rest of my mechanics. So my knees were starting to bug a little bit. And so after I had the surgery, I still continued with the orthotics for a while, but I slowly weaned myself back to just sort of the stock um, insoles that come with most running shoes. And I'm back to using my favorite shoes, like the, the, the Saucony Peregrines and things like that. So, um, I'm, 
I'm back now about a, a, a year later to my uh, normal mid shoot. <laughs> good man. Well, glad to get you back. I stretch daily now. I like I have my little routine in the morning. Where I stretch my calves and foam roll a little bit, and I'm, so I'm hoping if I continue to do that daily, I won't have a problem with it in either foot. Because that's where most of that injury comes from is up in the calf, right? So yeah, correct. Yeah, like right. you do a lot of foam rolling on the calf, and yeah, you're basically stretching out that calf every day to take care of the, the plantar fasciitis, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And then I, I stand on the stair each morning and just do the, like the heel drops and sort of like eccentric lowers on the with my toes on the edge of the stair and then dropping my heel below the stair. And I'll do that for a minute on each foot or something like that. Not a lot, but I think if I'm regular about it, uh, that should you know, that's the idea. At least it'll stay away. <laughs> wow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what are you thinking? So this weekend, yeah, so so um, we had some friends who moved to town about uh, six months ago, uh, Greg Salveson and Cassie Scallion, and oh, yeah. they put this uh, little, like, a fun run. that I, It's a newer format to me, like this backyard run type of format where it's a four-mile loop, uh, and you start at the top of the hour, you run four miles, and you you can get back and eat and do whatever you got to do. And at the top of the next hour, you start that four mile loop again. And you do that. And I guess, you know, when they do it in the, in the race format, there's no defined end. It's just whoever can keep doing that the longest wins. Um, for this, for this Saturday race was or yesterday was the, um, it was a defined 12 hour, you know, 7am to 7, 7pm 7 kind of a training run or something like that. So awesome. it, yeah, that was, it was really fun. I was, I, I thought, oh, man, to be doing the same four miles all day, but it was a, it was pretty neat to, run with different people throughout the day and and you kind of learn like okay here comes that left hand turn at, at 15 minutes you know or whatever you kind of figure it out and kind of get your pace dialed in to leave yourself enough time to eat and drink before the next top of the hour to start the next loop <laughs> was that yeah. on hills or on road it was uh, this course that they put together was about 50 50 so we'd start out on the road which is nice because you could have time to run side by side and chat and it'd be a little more social and then you hit the single track and kind of put your head down for a little bit for a couple miles and then end up with another mile of pavement at the end where you could wrap up the the loop in a more social um, format, I guess, and sure. do it all over again. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and the impetus for that is Greg going to run this um, last man standing run. It's, oh, yeah. That's what I was wondering. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, and it's coming up in two weeks if you wanted to do a a 12 hour training day for that. I, I stuck it out for um, 10 hours. I did 10 loops and I was pretty stoked with that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so did they have a name for this race or what, or was it just like a fun run? Well, yeah, it was a fun run, but they, they named it their, uh, their dog, uh, their dog's name is summit. So it was a summit's backyard fun run. So we, oh, summit did like three or four, I think four laps throughout the day. So summit got like 20 miles in. It's pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> How many people did it? You know, overall there was about, Throughout the day, there was 27 people. Um, it was me and Greg and Cassie that um, did the continuous 7 a.m. and I went until uh, 5 p.m. and they continued you know, until the 7 p.m. to do 12 laps. But throughout the day, various people would come and go and run a lap or two. Or you know, some people started out did six laps and said, "You know, that's a, I'm pretty stoked for that kind of that yeah, effort." Yeah. And, Wow. Um, so it was kind of neat that 27 different people throughout the day, you know, whether for one or multiple laps, it was a, a really fun and social 
out run that you know ends up being a lot of miles in the end but it didn't it didn't end up feeling that much and it went in, given the format i guess so training run, are you uh, are you using that as a springboard for anything else this year or what do you have on the docket Anything? Yeah, that's my really, the, the biggest thing for me, I still have plenty of time, is uh, I'm going to run the Run Rabbit Run 100 miler. And it's a, nice. I've never run it, and there are a few people here in town who have um, spoken highly of it. So I thought I'd like to go see what that's all about and awesome. head, up, head up north. Yeah, but in the meantime, I'll probably, we have a local race here, the Hamas Mountain Trail runs, and I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So I'll probably end up running the 50 mile race because there's a, a 15 mile, a 50K, and a 50 mile. Um, three different races at the end of May for this Hamas Mountain Trail runs, and so I'll I'll aim to do the uh, 50 miler and, and see how that goes. Preparation yeah. for the hundred, that's awesome. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's, so I'll, I'll I got to figure out something else to do during the summer, uh, kind of keep me motivated for the Run Rabbit Run in September. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure something will come up. <laughs> cool, man. Well, if you need yeah. help in September, man, I live close. I can shoot out that way, no problem. Would love to be there for you. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, the, where are you at now, Adam? Boulder. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Well, okay. So, so you're really like, close. Yeah, like two, like less than two hours away from Steamboat. So, um, yeah, man, we'd love to be out there. Have you ever run the Run Rabbit Run? Or? Oh, you know, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that because that's my only DNF. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I signed up for it one year and... I ended up going to the race like by myself. I didn't have any crew or pacers, and I had a knee injury and was just going to try and cut it out. And at like mile 40, I made a wrong turn, and I was just like, you know what? This is just not my day. Like nothing's going right. So, um, yeah, not a lot of DNFs, but uh, that was my my one and only big one. It's still haunting me. I got to go back. Gotta go back and reclaim that at some point. Maybe I'll come back and run it with you this year. Who knows? That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm actually. I think I'm number one on the Harris wait list right now. So I'm not actually in yet, but I suspect that that was plenty of time. I expect to be in. So you should jump on there. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> so yeah, man, I peaked. I peaked at your ultra sign up today, and uh, so it looks like you started running ultras in like 2005. Was yeah, Leadville that's right. Was yeah. your first ultra? Yeah, Leadville was my first ultra, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, uh, yeah. So my friend uh, Bill Geist here in town and I had done a lot of like long mountain um, hikes and 14ers and that kind of stuff in Colorado and done a little bit of, we just generally were, were running to stay in shape, but never done any like competitive or you know organized races or anything like that but he he threw out the idea he's like well i've heard about this hunt this leadville 100 miler thing we should uh, train for that and go check it out and that was you know we probably started training well he i think he mentioned that like in january of the, the same year of 2015 and so we um you know started planning to run the leadville 100 and uh, you kind of, you know, we're definitely naive thinking, well, how, you know, it's, you know, you got 30 hours, it's, it's not, you don't have to go that fast to, uh, to, to clear a hundred miles, but, uh, yeah, it was, it, <laughs> and we planned, so we planned it like, uh, like to, to a T basically like, okay, we're going to do 29 and a half hours and this is, you know, these are our splits and this is what we have to do to make them. And we finished in 2933, I think, or something wow. like that. So pretty much spot on. Yeah. But it was uh, quite a wake up call, like especially the sleep deprivation thing. We had not done anything like that before. And that was, uh, you know, staying up all night was uh, quite the experience oh, the first yeah. time. Yeah. So did you run with him the whole time? 
Yeah, and that's another thing. It's pretty impressive. We actually stayed together the whole time, which yeah, is you know, it's really hard to do in a hundred. I've since done you know more hundred milers, and it's, it's hard to keep the same pace with someone else, even if you end up being you know you finish the same amount of time. There's just so many highs and lows and ups and downs, and it's just, it's it's generally hard to do that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> so, first hundred miler was it full of like hallucinations and all the typical mistakes that ultra runners make in their first hundred, or how, how did that one go? You know, I, I, I'm looking back on it. I think it actually went really smooth. I think there was. I'm. I'm. It turned out. I. I'm. Bill's really good at, at um, handling the overnights, and I'm really bad at it. So he, I think he waited for me a few times where I was like, I just got to lay here on the ground for 15 <laughs> minutes and a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, so I, I credit him for being patient and, and like trusting that we could still finish in 29 and a half hours, given you know how much I wanted to rest or whatever. <laughs> so, but it, overall, it went pretty well. I think our stomachs handled it. You know, we didn't have. Um, I don't think we had much stomach trouble um you know it was i think it was a pretty good year it wasn't super hot or anything like that so it was you know, it was we were able to keep pace during the day but and he had to be patient with me overnight and i still haven't quite figured out the overnight stuff <laughs> like a, i'm definitely asleep in the pine dills for a while kind of gonna... i find that hard <laughs> because i met you um at your nolan at our nolan's attempt and um you made it through the second night and I remember seeing you on the third day, I guess, when you were coming off of Huron into Winfield, and you looked fresh as a daisy. And that was after two <laughs> nights. Thanks for that. Yeah, you know, I had, yeah, I remember that 2015. That was yeah, we first met at that you know at 5 a.m. or whatever we left down that yeah, on that nice Friday morning. Let's go on a big adventure. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I had a really tough first night that 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 time we tried Nolan's, but the uh, the second night. I, I remember uh, huddling down and, and sleeping for a little bit, but I had like this second wind coming off here on, like right before I saw you, where it was just like, I feel great. And I actually felt like I could run. It was just like, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, I remember you coming off of Huron, and, you know, I just thought you guys were going to be destroyed. And I was like, Jason, how you doing, man? And you were just like, really good. How are you guys? And you just wanted to know how we were all doing. And I was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's, <so laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, uh, you know that was amazing because I had to. Yeah, we was. Uh, I was still. I think at that point with uh, Julian and, and um, Logan. Yeah. Yeah, and and they were they. We all huddled down for a little bit going up here on that like early in the week, you know, like three a.m. or whatever. We like took a little nap and the sun started coming back up and. I think we all just felt a little more rejuvenated once I started running down here on it. was like, all right, we got the sun again. It's like it had been a little bit of snow overnight, but it was like everything was just turned out to be a perfect day. So we all sort of blasted it up La Plata. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Any more plans on getting back out there and taking another stab at it? You know, it's it's still hot. You know, we yeah, we ended up doing 12 of the 14 in like 57 hours that year. And that was um you know that was so close but not not close enough there's still there was still a lot a lot to do but i so i st it still hangs over me like i'd love to go and give that a crack i just love the whole idea of no one's and, uh i you know i i could go out there and i i know the whole i know my whole route by heart like i wouldn't i wouldn't need any navigational tools and all so i i feel like it's something that 
if I given the right day and the right conditions and if I could train properly, it, it, it could happen, you know? And so I'd love to sure. try and do that. I just don't, it's each year passes by. I need to like get more serious about it and try and make it happen yeah. more time. So <laughs> yeah, you know, same here, man. Wow. Well, so yeah, <laughs> you know, I was looking at your ultra sign up being nosy today. So you ran Leadville was your first ultra, and then shortly after that, you jumped into uh, Hurt 100, Hard Rock 100. Like you tackled all the big ones almost right away. Yeah, it was probably kind of. I, I see it, it happens a lot with people like they they'll, they'll do their first or second ultra, or you know, first one or two ultras, and they're like fully into it. And that was that was definitely me. And and along with Bill, we were just like we're we're into this. We love it. And it was so we were hunting down everything we could. And I you know we did I did Leadville in 2005 and immediately put in for hard rock the next year and actually got in in 2006 and um finished finished hard rock in 2006 and then um put in for hard rock for 2007 and got in again and finished in 2007 and i put in for 2008 and i got in for 2008 so like three years in a row i got into hard rock which is just like riding the gate i was like this is sort of a dream come true kind of deal <laughs> so and then, in the, and then in there, my, yeah, my sister was living in, in Hawaii at the time, and so like in 2007, Bill and I went out to run the herd. Um, so it was the kind of things for like all falling in line together, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like you and Bill must be pretty good buddies. Is he still running? Is he still around? Yeah, he's still running. He's um, I, I kind of after Hard Rock in 2008, I DNF'd in 2008, so I finished um, 2006, 2007, and I thought, okay. You know, I finished in both directions now. I should try and like race this just to see what could happen. And that did not end well. <laughs> like, with like mile 60 at Grouse Gulch, I was just completely wrecked and done. And so I, I kind of I threw in the towel in 2008, DNF'd Hard Rock in 2008, and then sort of said, I don't know about these hundreds anymore, but Bill and started getting into Hard Rock every year. And now he's a veteran. So he's, he's ah. been, he's hitting hard rock, you know, pretty frequently, actually. He's, he's in again this year and I plan to go pace him, but I sort of I stepped back from it a little bit. I've always been involved and in going up every year to like hang uh, pace and crew for friends, but I, I haven't been running it like he has. So yeah, but so he's definitely still going strong and um, getting after it. And he and I have had a lot of adventures together um, and continue to have a lot of running adventures together. So it's, it's been a great partnership. <laughs> Now, so last year, <clears throat> completely to my surprise, at one of the aid stations when I was running High Lonesome 100, I looked up and saw you. Was that your friend Bill that was running last year, or is that somebody else? Oh, that was Tom. Yeah, Tom Stockton. So I ended up pacing him at High Lonesome last year. Yeah, when I saw you guys, um, what, uh, I forgot the name of that aid station. Um, yeah, it was right, like going into the night section, right? So, yeah, uh, yep. that's oh, right. Blew me away. I, I couldn't even believe it. I let, looked up and I saw you and you're kind of like smiling at me and I'm kind of dazed from running you know like 50 <laughs> miles or 40 miles at that point and right at you for a second, I'm like wait a second I know you Jason <laughs> just blew me yeah. away yeah, I don't think it's particular since the the 2005 Nolans, I think. So that was that was really cool. <laughs> and then you proceeded to just take off and crush the night section. So that was, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun though. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah. When I look at your like, you know, your Facebook or whatever, it looks like you just pretty much live the uh, trail bum kind of lifestyle. I mean, I know you're not a trail bum, but you sort of epitomize the, the do big things uh, lifestyle you climb you mountain bike you snowboard you 
run you pretty much do it all right yeah you know i just yeah so i have a desk job i am full of you know so i'm working you know seven to five every day when during the week but i um i end up taking maybe five weeks off per year or something like that so there's some leave without pay or whatever in there and then whenever i'm not at work of course i'm trying to be yeah doing yeah i've been snowboarding since i was 12 and skiing before that and you know trail running and, and rock climbing for a couple of decades now so yeah anytime i can be outside that's that's my preferred place to be so yeah and lucky enough to have a lifestyle and the health to allow me to do do all that and and enjoy being outside yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what um what sort of attracted you to that sort of lifestyle i mean you said that you and your buddy bill were doing a lot of hiking and stuff before you got into ultras but were you outside a lot as a kid or how did it all start that's a good question i you know i don't know when i really sort of uh i guess this picked up the passion for for the outdoor adventures like i have well, I, certainly growing up with my growing up in new mexico as like my with my dad and my mom we would go do camping trips and they for a time we had a boat and so we would go like to the lake and cliff jump and ride the boat and, and, and you know camping was part of that i think it just i don't know i always found myself just totally like at, at ease and like the happiest when i was you know outside doing these part of it was being with the family and being outside with uh, my brother and my sister and my parents and uh, but then part of it was just i don't know being outside and looking, i just remember distinctly falling asleep uh, looking at the stars outside the tent outside the tent window or the door and uh, and i just felt the most content being outside and so i don't yeah it just um it's something that's i I can't explain don't really know why what whatever it is but it's just, um, I get it, I get it. I, and i know yeah you or anyone that we talk to in, in amongst the circle totally gets it right but it's, it's hard to like yeah. pinpoint it but yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> i know you spend a lot of time climbing do you do you have um one sport that you prefer over any of the other ones or you just kind of like them all equally or I kind of used to think that, yeah, it was, I mean, between like rock climbing and, and running, it was sort of a, like a, a, a pretty solid tie. But then when I couldn't run with a plantar fasciitis, I was, it was, it was, it was like the most painful, you know, I was like, I can't do this. So it, it turns out I think running is what I really, really enjoy the most <laughs> and specifically trail running, even though I'm not particularly fast, or particularly um, great at it. It's just like, it, it just, the simplicity of it is just what really, it's like, you just put on some shoes and and then go you know it's like mountain biking super fun but you always have to worry about mechanicals or keeping the bike tuned up and it's just a little more of a production to get outside and do it and same with climbing there's more gear involved and it's a little bit more of a production whereas running's just it's it's super simple it's and it is yeah. cool it's just easy to enjoy yeah for sure you just the door yeah exactly all right <laughs> uh, um, so where you are you in Los Alamos in New Mexico? Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I grew up here in Los Alamos, so I wasn't born here. We were born. I was born in uh, Southern New Mexico, uh, but shortly after I was born, my family moved to Los Alamos. My dad can work at Los Alamos National Lab, and I've basically followed that same path. I, you know, grew up here, went to high school here, um, then went to school at UNM in Albuquerque. Didn't, didn't fall too far from the tree there, and then um, moved to Denver for about a year. Um, right after college and, and, and thought, okay, I'm going to go and get a little, just get, get outside of the small town. Cause Los Alamos is a pretty small town. And I wanted to see what, you know, living in this city was like and 
experience a little bit more, but I quickly realized that I really like this like kind of small town living in the Southwest in particular. And so, um, yeah, it ended up moving back here and have been here since then. It's not a bad gig here in Los Alamos. We got lots of trails and you get the four That's seasons. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, yeah. What's the outdoors like there? Is it pretty awesome? It is. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. We're, we're living, we live at like 7,500 feet. So we're up, up pretty high and there's quite a bit of trails right in town and just outside of town. And, um, you know, Parito Mountain, there's a ski area here that's only about 20 minutes from the house and it tops out at like 10,400 feet. So we can get relatively high pretty quickly and get a ski season and, get running when it's dry and there's climbing along the Rio Grande Gorge and so it's kind of a if you're a runner climber biker snowboarder it's a really good place to be <laughs> wow yeah that's cool man. and then my family's still all really relatively close to here so it's kind of got I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm very very fortunate to be where I am in life right yeah. now I'm, I'm pretty stoked to be sure. Sure. <laughs> that's cool that you recognize it you're pretty close with your family too, right? I, I think I remember at least your dad and maybe your, both your parents coming out to uh, Nolan's that year. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was my mom and my stepdad. They, and they have, um, so yeah, my dad lives in town and my mom's not too far from here. She's about, um, 20 minutes up into the mountains in the Jemez mountains. And my mom, from the get go, my mom and stepdad have always been super supportive and really totally into crewing me at hundred milers and like Nolan's when, when we were all there, and, cool. and they're yeah they're totally into it so it's it's another and part of the motivation for running hundreds now is like oh well i'll get my mom and stepdad to come out and and crew and it's, make it like another family trip you know it's kind of it's you can go do this thing for on a weekend or in a few days kind of you know that's cool <laughs> yeah and i'll never forget you coming off here on and just being concerned with how they're doing and how everyone else is doing and where everybody slept and what everybody's eating i'm like dude <laughs> come on man you just did like what you do nine peaks man you, you're gonna keep on going don't worry about us man just get your food and keep going <laughs> that's phenomenal <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah it's I, I mean it's so it's I'm, I'm always so impressed that someone or you know friends and family want to come and support something that I'm doing and so it, it, you know it always feels a little bit selfish on my part and so I'm definitely I don't know probably maybe a little I, I want to make sure they're having a good time or at least doing well or you know it's because I feel a little bit guilty that people are out there you know, specifically to help me in something I'm doing right now, which is, you know, you know relatively meaningless and selfish. You know, so. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes I feel bad, too. Like, you invite people to come and just sit in the woods in bad weather all night long and wait and wait and wait, and then you come through, and me, I'm usually grunt kind of grouchy like just give me my food i don't really want to talk i want to change my clothes and get out of here and uh yeah i was pretty impressed it was and you were really clear-eyed too i just remember god this guy just came off of two nights with no sleep and <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was just happened to be a good time but i just i'll never forget that i was like man who is this guy that's unreal <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> thanks man <laughs> yeah i don't know if i could ever replicate how good i felt that whole the whole weekend really i mean i think it, part of it was just being you know, being doing it with you guys and having such a great group of people to be doing that with for most of it and then I, and then everything else fell in line too you know the stomach and just uh the weather was you know quite good overall and yeah it was just you, you need something 
you need all that to fall in line for a, for a successful for sure. outing to happen, I think. And it's, and it, yeah, it was, that was, that was a great time. And everything was falling in line that weekend. <laughs> you have a lot of moments like that in, in your races and ultras where things are just clicking and everything is going well. And, you know, like I've had a few of those moments and they tend to be moments that kind of, I carry with me forever. Like I always remember like, uh, during that race at that point I just you know happened to be feeling good and everything was going great like, do you have a, a lot of those or are they few and far between yeah that's a that's a good point and it, no I think they're few and far between and I think it's um yeah like you said like they're the most memorable ones like when things just sure. kind of really go like everything just seems to come together and that's yeah they're, yeah there's I wish you could I don't know how you make that happen. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, someone <laughs> figures it out. I gotta know because bust it out whenever you need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, I feel like maybe they're, they're, those moments are coming a little more frequently with more experience. Maybe, but uh, it's just like like you can. I think you can recognize when things aren't quite going so well and do what you can to to write it and bring it back or whatever. But I don't know. There's something that I think it's just it's hard to control you know, or maybe you can't control it at all. It just comes, comes together every now and then. And it's like, that's the, that's the moment, you know? And that, yeah, they're not, it, I think it makes them special too, is they don't always, it's hard to make them happen. They just sort of have to happen. I think. Yep. Naturally organic kind of in, in surprise you. And it's always a nice surprise when they do happen. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And then there'll be days like on a training run where I'm running out there and it's like, just feel like utter crap and i'm just like oh this is i'm i'm really glad today's not like a race day or a big day for right. any event or something like that because i'm like uh, this is just terrible <laughs> so. yeah, that's, it's only like a six mile run and you're like why do i feel so bad yeah exactly <laughs> just like it's just so glad this is just a you know a training day because i i'm just gonna throw in the towel right now so <laughs> but i think you know those yeah. days happen from time to time too like sounds like with your run rather run perhaps it's like it's just I don't know what it is, but it's just not not your day and not your time. That things aren't coming. Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. you can't be yeah, upset about it. And it. Yeah, it is part of it exactly. It's just like you know, it it's disappointing. I know because it's like you put in so much time and effort and energy to train for something like that and for this like one day or one weekend, and if it it just happens to be not your weekend, it's it's a huge bummer. It's like well, like you know, I, I was ready and I can't execute today, and that that kind of. I don't know. That sucks. <laughs> it comes with the game, though, really, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you know, if you're if you're choosing to run these kind of distances, you know, several or many times throughout your life, you know, they're not all going to go perfectly. So yeah, that's going to happen. That's absolutely right. You yeah, embrace that. And it is. I mean, it's uh, like you say these kind of distances where I mean, there's a lot of time for things to go south. So <laughs> it's like yeah, it, yeah. Sure. But conversely, if you do it a you do these things long enough and you you start to realize that there you know there's definitely going to be some some valleys and you're gonna it's gonna be some serious low points but if you keep at it a lot of times they can you can you can change it and it'll it'll come around but you know some sometimes no matter what you do it won't come around <laughs> yes sometimes you do have to throw in the towel yep it's a real thing it is for sure so so like what are the low points for you i mean do you ever have stomach issues or um if things are going south for you what does that normally look like yeah you know i, I generally feel like i've I figured out my fueling pretty well and i the stomach issues haven't been 
a huge issue for me. I haven't like I've like for instance I've never puked during an ultra or ever had anything where I had to strip oh. or anything like that. Where, okay. I've heard the stories where people, yeah, just can't keep anything down. And um, I haven't. There's times where I don't really feel like eating, but I have never brought anything back up or whatever. Um, wow. <laughs> but lucky. the sleep deprivation thing is is really the hardest thing for me. And I um, I, I don't know. I've never been very good at the at like overnight sections um and so i i've just I've learned to embrace it a little bit and then just say okay i'm gonna have to sleep 30 minutes here and that's just gonna be it like you know it's 30 minutes i'm gonna have to invest to, to so i can feel better later in the in the night or the you know later in the day kind of deal so, mm-hmm. um yeah. down and pass out for 15 or 30 minutes and get up and feel a little bit better yeah yeah definitely and i i think the biggest when i learned that the most was in 2008 at, at hard rock when i i got to grouse gulch and i was like even before getting in there like mile 60 like you know the last like five miles coming in i felt like crap and i'm like i'm done as soon as i get there i'm dropping and that's exactly what i did i got there and i dropped and i'm like that like i'm done and it, i've since then had issues i think actually in hard rock I, I ran hard rock again in 2016 and again it was almost the same replica i got into grouse gulch mile 60 it was dark but this time i just said okay just sleep and see if you make the you know sleep 30 minutes or 40 minutes and then make the decision don't make the decision before you get there and i got in there found it got on a cot got snuggled up with some blankets and and took like a 40 minute nap and that was enough to turn things around i'm like okay i'm ready to go again and so i'm glad i didn't make that decision to drop on my way into the a station i gave myself time and i still had plenty of time so like i could i could have slept there you know three four hours if i really needed it right. and still get it done and so it was you know just that that's the biggest lesson i've learned is don't make the decision before you get there get in there and get it to an a station and sleep as long as you need to or whatever it takes and then and then make the decision you know see if it, you feel better oftentimes yeah. i feel better <laughs> yeah that's a good point as you know as new ultra runners kind of get into this um you know yeah it's really easy that it, when you feel like you know total crap coming into an aid station you feel like you're done you feel like you're completely maxed out but yeah usually if you lay down take a little nap or actually just sit down and refuel and take your time chat with some people you know, you can usually at least get moving again to a point where, you know, you might not be feeling great, but it's possible to turn it around. So that's absolutely, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's happened to me a number of times, you know, since then that, since that DNF in 2008, where like, I would, you know, I just gave up immediately where I thought, well, okay, just sleep, rest, eat, go to the next age station and, and see how you feel. And just at least and especially for me at, at night, you know, it's like if I, it, the, the nights have always been rough and it's like, if I could just leave that next aid station, even if it's dark and, but knowing that the sun's going to come up by the time I get to the next aid station and, and then decide then if you still have what it, you know, if you really still feeling like crap and you can't go on, that's okay. But you know, the, the sun comes up and, you know, just get out there and move. Maybe you have a slow segment, but you know, it, when the sun comes up, it's another day. And that oftentimes, at least for me, is like, okay, that's a big boost. And just keep, you know, taking it one age station at a time. <laughs> sure. okay. So I was just about to ask you, like, what you normally eat um, when you're out there. But then I, I just had this flashback of you going up Tabawash and Chavano with and eating pizza at the top of those peaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, that a, is that a typical uh, fueling uh, 
a strategy for you, you know, or um, yeah, you know, like, oh. <laughs> that actually has yeah for like the Nolan's things and like slightly slower, longer things. Like I've found that cold pizza, like good, it's like good real food. I mean, it's not good necessarily, but it hits the spot. Like it's appetizing, right? It's um, I have been pretty psyched on that. And another like guilty pleasure of mine is like these like fruit slices, like those gummy gummy fruit slices things. Like those, I can eat those like. Even if my stomach was like the worst it's ever felt, I can always eat those. <laughs> so, okay. Those things work for me. And then like um, Tailwind is, I, I've been a big fan of the Tailwind uh, powder drink mix since they came out. And that's still, I'm not sick of it yet. And it always seems to do sit well, really well with me and, and provide enough fuel. So um, those are probably like my three biggest things. <laughs> yeah, cold pizza, fruit, gummy fruit oh, sauce, and Tailwind. <laughs> that was just one more thing that, you know, added to the list of amazement for when we were out there for Nolan's and I remember Logan and I specifically talking about that afterwards and, and Logan was like that's genius man I mean you could do all of Nolan's with 14 pieces of pizza and you just look forward to one in the top of every peak and you're, you got it made man and we were actually really looking hard into that like that's a pretty good idea man it gives you something to look forward to <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that's oh, so. Awesome. That's classic. <laughs> that's good to hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, oh, I, I started experimenting with the cold pizzas, uh, like for the Nolans when I was training for that, and, and going up and like scouting the route and whatnot. And I would just stop at like Domino's and Alamosa and order a, a, a large pizza on the way up there, and that would be my, my fuel for the weekend. <laughs> so, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Jeez, that is so cool. So you don't do gels or anything like that? Uh, you know, occasionally I'll throw in gels, but I, I don't really have a favorite gel or anything like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I used to do a lot of gels. And I used to do like um, like the Perpetuum, but I cannot stomach that anymore. I did enough of that for a number of years where I just can't even, like the sound of, or just hearing that term, I'm like, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I but it, yeah, it still works for a lot of people. It's just like you overdo it or you, I don't know, you kind of, each of these run, they run their course of like, okay, yeah, I've, I've gone through the perpetuum phase and the heat phase and now I'm on the tailwind, but I don't know, for like five years or so, the tailwind's working great for me. So yeah, hopefully I've, knock on wood, I'm not sick of it yet. <laughs> Good, man. Yeah. <laughs> your your wife is a um, pretty monster climber too by the look. I mean, I've never met her, but just the pictures and stuff I've seen you guys climb together pretty regularly right we do through. yeah that's like her main passion is is um sport climbing so she's uh, and she you know she has an online coach and we have a little shed out back with a moon board in it and she's in there frequently or like you know three okay. climbing on it yeah so that's and, and so it's really nice so we both really enjoy sport climbing and so it's been able to you know, we get to do these trips together you know like we'll travel internationally and you know we go to Greece and Italy and and Spain and have the um, it's nice you know we could travel together and then we both enjoy sport climbing and we uh, climb at similar levels like she's you know she's stronger than me but um it, but we we can go to the same places and, and, and climb together and have a lot of fun with it so yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. does she run at all she you know she uh hasn't she's not much of a runner but she just started running this year um a little more seriously she uh, decided at the start of the year that she wanted to run 220 miles this year for the since it's the year 2020 and she thought i'll do 220 yeah exactly and i'm like you'll easily do that you know but so so she's been really pretty psyched on it she's been running um yeah she's doing two three miles at a time maybe once or twice a week and 
um, and did her first trail race, a six mile trail race, um, two weeks ago down here near Santa Fe. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to see her getting psyched on running. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I don't envision we'll take a running trip together anytime soon, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> enough, right? yeah, the climate's working out. Yeah, definitely. So I know you've done um, a bunch of adventures besides, um, you know, just ultra running races. Um, at one point, you and I were talking and you were going to come up here and, and do uh, a bunch of the peaks down in the Swatch range, I think. And for whatever reason, I couldn't make it out that weekend with, with you guys. But and I think you did like a big run all the way around uh, Mount Blanc, too. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, for the... Um, uh, like the the SWAT the thing you were talking about previously in Colorado, there's um, the 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 northernmost um, Sangre the the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. Um, oh. I, that's where I run like the, what we Bill and I call the Northern Sangre's Traverse, and we're running running from like Hayden Pass um, outside of Via Grove, Colorado, to Salida, basically. And so it's like 17 um, USGS uh nay or marked um summits along this really elegant ridge um and uh, it's like 20 24 miles from hayden pass to like the rainbow trail trailhead and i've done that a, okay. um, a, a couple times now and that's just been okay. yeah it, that's a really elegant like ridge run in colorado that's um well worth people's time if they haven't ever checked it out it's pretty cool so yeah is it pretty technical you know there's no trail but it's not i think there's a short bit of like third maybe borderline fourth class coming off of um okay. one of the peaks on this more southern part of it but otherwise it's not technical it's just um running on you know rocky grassy terrain and so it's not super fast it's hard to really run but it's um it's you can move pretty pretty quickly on it because it's not any like serious scrambling or anything like that but I look forward to doing that almost every summer. I'll probably I've done it a couple oh, times now. And planning to do it again this summer. Yeah, and, uh, I'm gonna have to join you sometime, man. That yeah, awesome. if I start organizing it or getting a day, I'll, I'll send you a message and make it, see if yeah. you can make it down. It'd be, it'd be great. Yeah, but then yeah, you mentioned the um, the run around Mont Blanc is um, so yeah. Bill, tell me about that. Yeah, Bill and I did this. Um, it's called the the PTL, the Petit Trot Allian, and it's it's part of the UTMB running series. Uh, oh, okay. so it's, it's like, it starts on, so UTMB, they have you know, in Chamonix that basically this whole week of running events and with UTMB being the one that starts on Friday and it's the classic hundred miles around Mont Blanc kind of thing. Um, but there's this, the PTL, it starts on Monday of that week and it basically finishes around the same time as the UTMB, um, the following Saturday and Sunday, basically. So it's a much longer, much longer drawn out, um, like adventure run i guess you'd call it they don't even they don't even publish like um the finishing times of people it's not like a they don't call it a race it's basically just this adventure and so bill and i've gone out there um twice to do that the first time was in 2016 with our friend sean and, and it's an event where you have to have a team you have to be at least two or three and uh, we went out in 2016 the three of us to try and do it and on paper we're like oh yeah this is you know 180 miles and you have a week to do it so we should be able to do 50k a day no problem 
and turns out that the scale out there is just insane and it was not any yeah it took us like uh, 24 hours to do the first 50k and we're like wow this is the <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit it's more legit. intense than we thought it was gonna be it's good it was, wow. it was like 80,000 80,000 feet of climbing and 180 miles roughly for this this large circumnavigation of uh, of the uh, Mont Blanc massif so yeah we we gave it our best shot but we came up short with about with about 20 miles to go we, we, were, we were pretty close to like the time cutoffs and uh sean had taken a tumble and broke his finger and we were all just like strung out on just we hadn't been sleeping right and threw in the towel in 2016 we're like it this is just a little bit more than we were expecting so wow. didn't get it done in 2016 but bill and i went back last year uh for 2019 and it was just sean couldn't join us this time but um bill and i went out together again and with a much better strategy we kind of learned a lot of st- we, we learned quite a bit in 2016 on how we could better manage especially our sleep i think you know uh, manage food and sleep and uh we had a really really phenomenal week of weather last year and we're able to it basically it just went as smooth as it could go it was just a really really phenomenal uh run for us and we we ended up finishing i think like 37th out of 114 teams or something like that so we and i think our, our knowledge from 2016 really Gave, gave us a lot and it was just one of the best ultra experiences i've ever had it's just uh, yeah couldn't have been it was one of those things where everything just kind of clicked almost the whole time it was it couldn't have asked for a better experience <laughs> was it considered a stage race or where are you guys sleeping yeah so it's not a stage race it's basically just a, the clock's running continuously and you just you, you go and uh, there's a number of huts along the route uh, so there so there are huts where you can they have like their their race affiliated huts where they have meals and you can sleep so they have a lot of them have cut they're like the huts that are often used by people who do like the 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 trail the, the mont blanc trail um you know, like people will do it as sort of a, either a fast pack or like a you know a two-week kind of adventure where they'll do segments of the trail and sleep at these huts and eat at the huts and so those are runners are allowed to sleep at those huts as well um when they're passing through them and so the clock's running continuously and you so we our strategy was different in 2019 versus 2016 where we actually planned we're going to sleep at least three hours a night you know we're gonna we'll get to a hut or if we don't find a hut we're just gonna find a really comfy place near on the side of the trail and sleep as long as we can whereas in 2016 we just tried to you know like a kind of blasted out 100 mile run style where you just sleep when you needed to kind of deal but with three different people and three different sleep schedules that that was not a tenable um, plan at all. So yeah, it didn't work. So the, going back with just Bill and I with the plan of okay, when it gets to around two a.m., we're going to sleep till sunrise. You know, if if we can, that's our plan, and that made all the difference. Like having an actual like dedicated sleep schedule was the, the key. And so yeah, we just went, you know, basically you know, nonstop except for those three hours of, of sleep or so that we could get every night throughout the throughout the week wow. so yeah <laughs> was was that enough sleep but well obviously it was if you guys made it but i mean how sleep deprived did you guys feel at the end of that week you, you know it was actually it was enough sleep it turned out so it, it doesn't sound like a lot but it, it seemed it, it enough to get us 
rejuvenated for the next day and you know certainly we slept great at the at, once we were hit the finish line and we were back in in a hotel somewhere but it was it, it seemed like worked out really really well and we so we brought like these super light um inflatable um therm the i forgot what the mod the Thermarest, but I forgot what the, the model is of the Thermarest, but they're really small, really lightweight, and, and they made a big difference. Like if we had to do a trailside sleep, just, uh, you know, air those things up, throw them down on top of um, like our pack covers or whatever, and, and sleep on that. So at least it was like a pretty comfortable sleep versus you're sleeping in the pine needles kind of sleep. <laughs> and, um, so that, so yeah, that, that, that with that, it was definitely an adequate amount of sleep. I and mean, it was a couple times we got the the drowsy you know like fall asleep on your feet kind of thing but overall i think it I don't, yeah it was it was a really good good strategy and it made all the difference wow. yeah. <laughs> so would you guys sleep um on, the, on those thermo rests more or in in huts it actually worked out that we mostly hit the huts so we we slept a couple times on the thermo rests um they because they were we were between huts a couple times but for um i think three yeah. of the nights we were in a hut which was they're sort of like you know they're kind of dorm bunk style kind of places so it was kind of noisy kind of hot you know but it was when you're that tired you could, you could sleep anywhere pretty much you know yeah. but so sleep yeah exactly and especially if it was a you know pretty comfy mattress or whatever so so yeah i think it was only twice that we had to sleep on the on the mattresses and then the, just on the side of the trail and the other three nights were in in huts so that was yeah that aren't uh you know necessarily a race i'm sorry any other adventures that you guys have done that that i'm not familiar with that i don't know about i mean you've done nolan's um you've done uh yeah several adventures that aren't really necessarily a race have you done anything else like that I mean, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think if we have or not. I mean, those are the, certainly the bigger ones. Um, in, in our train, our preparation for the PTL last year, Bill and I were doing, you know, we'd purposely go out with these little thermarests and kind of heavier packs. Cause that's another thing with PTL is you're, you're, you have a, a decent amount of required gear that's mandatory. You have to carry with you all the time. And so you're, you end up having a pack of about 18 to 20 pounds the whole time. So we wanted to do a lot of training runs with these, uh, heavier packs and yes yeah, so we made up some fun little adventures you know like sort of backyard adventures around here one where we started at Taos Ski Valley and ran overnight into um to like over the over a major set of mountains to another ski area town called Red River and then we would have dinner at like the brewery there and then you know, run back over and sleep overnight and so they, they were sort of like and local kind of PTL style adventures but yeah. I have other than that, I think I can't think of anything like bigger, you know, unique things that I've been involved with. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Man. Wow. <laughs> That's cool, man. So, yeah, it sounds like you've done a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff for sure. Um, and uh, anything else on the horizon besides uh, you mentioned Run Rabbit Run and a couple training runs leading up to that? Do you have any like bucket yeah. list races or bucket list adventures or anything that you got to check off the list at some point? Uh, not really, not currently that, you know, the PTL thing last year was the biggest thing for me. Cause I, you know, we did when we DNF'd in 2016 and we were 20 miles shy of the finish and it just sort of nodded at me every year. I kept thinking back that like we were so close and yet we didn't get it done. So it felt super rewarding that that was to go back and, and do it in pretty good style last year. And, and so that was definitely a bucket list kind of, all right, now I'm really satisfied kind of deal. Um, so 
yeah, I, you know, I still I, I harbor the idea of uh, taking another serious crack at Nolan's 14 uh, sometime, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I have to focus on getting high, getting up into the higher elevations and, and getting up and, you know, getting on the 14ers and, and get more serious about it because I need to get that acclimatization if I'm going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, um, because you hadn't done any uh, high altitude training before we attempted it, right? Didn't you just come out straight from New Mexico with almost zero acclimation? I think in 2015, let's see, I feel like I was I'm trying to remember. I, I had, I tried it the first time in 20, I tried Nolan's in 2014, I think, and I ended up doing like nine and a half peaks or something like that. So, but, yeah, but that year, 20, uh, that was another one with like Julian Smith and, and crew. So that okay, was, okay. Yeah, so it was from north to south. Um, you know, when we, you and I and the rest of that crew went south to north in 2015, but the previous year, yeah, it was north to south. And so, yeah, but I, in 2015, I don't think I was up as much as I would have wanted to have been in Colorado. Yeah. That, so, so, yeah. So I think maybe, you know, that, that could be the, the, that could be the big helpful factor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get up there. Just gotta so. get out of the man. <laughs> I know exactly. So, so cool. yeah. I'm out from New Mexico with a large pizza and just yeah, we'll just give this a shot. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if I if I do try it again, I do think that I think I should just go solo. Like it, it, I think it's. I've been thinking about this a lot is I have a lot of fun with different people, but it's like, I feel like sometimes I'm bringing different people down or uh, in terms of like pace, you know, sort of the same thing about talking about sticking with sticking together with someone for a hundred miles. Is, it's really hard to do. And so it's like, you know, like, so I, I do have this dream of just like, like you're just talking about just roll up there one day and just set off and go for it, you know? And then if it doesn't work out see if I can hitchhike back and get back to my car or whatever, you know? So Yeah. That's probably the way because you know, you end up waiting for people and people end up waiting for you and not everybody feels great at the exact same times and you, you know you end up kind of carrying each other through large portions of it and overall yeah going it, down a bit. yeah exactly i think it's just it, it's it's really hard to have people have multiple people kind of keep the same pace because there's like you know everyone has their ups and downs and they're not they're generally not at the same time yeah <laughs> so oh, that's cool well, yeah, man. If you're coming to Colorado, give me a shout. I'd love to either tag along or come out and crew for you or, or something. And we'll have to figure something out for Run Rabbit Run. I'm not, I don't really have any real plans this year, but um, that, that could be one of them. Who knows, man? Okay. Well, yeah, that would be, yeah, it'll give us some thought. That'd be really fun. Adam. And if I can uh, get this uh, Northern Songers Traverse thing penciled in, I'll, I'll let you know some dates and see if you can, if it works Definitely. for you. Yeah, please do, man. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Well, listen, thanks for talking to me, brother. Um, I'm super new to the podcast world. I have no idea where this is going to go, if, if anywhere. But um, yeah, just kind of trying to get this business off the ground. And this is just one of the little little legs sticking out of the business. And I'm just playing around with it. So I really appreciate it. That's really cool. Now, this is, yeah. I, I see you have a couple episodes out or something. Is that what I saw? On the, yeah, yeah. But it's all new. I'm just kind of putting the feelers out to see how things go. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll, I got a couple other guests lined up and, you know, some buddies, some runners, some non runners. So, um, yeah, I'm just playing around. I'm no interviewer. I'm no podcaster. But, yeah, just, just playing around and, you know, we'll see, man. Well, that's really cool. I think it's been it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. And it sounds like you – I think you are an interviewer. It sounds like you, you know what you're doing. Right, so, yeah. Well, you know, it's fun talking to you. And I knew that uh, we'd have uh, fun talking. And I knew you had some good stories. So, either way, man, I really appreciate it. And 
Hopefully, I'll get to see you this summer. Yeah, likewise, Adam. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, brother. Talk soon, man. Okay. Okay, take care. We'll take, see you, Jason. Talk to you later. Man. All right. Okay. Bye. Later.